Thanks for listening to the Roman Circus Podcast, a weekly dive into death-defying discussions of Catholic culture, tradition, and history. I'm Matt Baker, and with me, as always, is the very statuesque Zach Mabry. Zach, how are you doing? I'm, uh, I'm, I was trying to think of a pun, like I'm, I'm Mm. getting pulled down or something, like I'm, I get knocked down, but I get up again. Nice, 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 nice. If you want to give Zach any ideas for what to say, you can tweet us at Roman Circus Pod. I'm at Hey, it's Matt Baker. Zach is at Zach Mabry, Z-A-C Mabry. Email us, podcast at romancircusblog.com. We're on Patreon, patreon.com slash romancircuspod. You can find us on Apple Podcasts where you can rate and review us. Uh, Zach... It's, uh, <laughs> we have a wonderful chat with Father Chase Goodman coming up, we freshly do. ordained priest. But first, and we ask him this at the end of the podcast, but I wanted, you know, I wanted to extend you the same courtesy. Do you have any hot takes? First of all, what's in the news? And second of all, do you have any hot takes on the statue situation? Um... I mean, the news is obviously just chaos. Like, you have COVID, Trump's having rallies again. Um, I mean, I yeah, it's like the news is something people are sort of escaping at this point. But uh, mm-hmm. um, we're, like, relitigating the Civil War, apparently. Um, a lot of things are happening. But a story that definitely blew up in Catholic circles was that a statue of St. Unipero, Sarah, was, was it torn down or just tagged? I think it was torn down torn down yeah yes yeah so saint unipero sarah is um a saint he brought he helped bring the gospel to um the west coast and built 21 missions along california you can do a pretty mm-hmm. sweet road trip going to each one matt and i went to one together before the podcast started mm-hmm. not not that? right before this was no, years yeah. ago like before we yeah, had we, a podcast we were just friends then we went to the one in, in ventura i think this is actually the one where the statue was that the first statue that they wanted to pull down i think that's where we went oh really that's cool i think so it uh yeah but it's a uh, so they 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 have said that junipero sarah saint junipero sarah was uh responsible for genocide zach okay so and other things <laughs> yeah yeah uh, which is a shame because I feel like, you know, I feel as though there are reasons to take down some statues and then some other statues are just getting the, well, I don't like them, so I want to find a way to take them down treatment. Yeah, I mean, it, it's one, this is one of those where, like, people can accuse me of lots of things or being, like, a frog in a pot or whatever, but, like, I really don't believe that this statue was torn down in like a rage of hatred for the Holy Catholic faith Mm -hmm. or even the church as an institution. I think that um, it was sort of, you know, the people, protesters associated St. Sarah with colonialism and, um, Mm -hmm. you know, white supremacy, which obviously St. Unipera Sarah wouldn't have ever heard of whiteness given the Mm -hmm. time period. But um, yeah, I, 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 so what I, I really think is that things are crazy right now and it's a good time to just kind of take a step back, observe, sit with things 
and don't necessarily rush to a narrative. Um, Mm -hmm. Because so this happens with the St. Unipera Sarah statue, which is very sad. I I think at the end of the day, um, it it sort of fit into just a broader like incident of statues being pulled down. I, I, I don't think there was this whole, you know, animosity. You don't think, you don't think that this I is, mean, I don't think that these people are fans of the church, a lot of them, but I, I don't think that they were expressing their displeasure with the Catholic faith, the Catholic church in this mm-hmm. moment. Um, mm-hmm. But I, it's sad to see the statue come down and we will of course put that one up and more. He's a saint in heaven forever canonized by right. Pope Francis. Um, I just think they don't don't think that this is like the sounding bell of of something bigger. And you know, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But I I don't think I am. Um, yeah, it's certainly that said. <laughs> um, very next day, the like the the grifter, like the the like he he the original grifter, Sean King. Grift, um, grift lives matter, Zach. Like, yeah. So Sean King basically says, you know, any depiction of Jesus that is white is a symbol of white supremacy, and like mm-hmm. churches and images of that all need to be taken down and this mm-hmm. and that. Um, that's obviously. I mean, that's a whole separate conversation. Uh, no, um, the ancient images of white Jesus were not. Uh, crafted for white supremacy I, I i'm sure there's times where white supremacists have used white jesus as their sure that's what white supremacists do they they just run things um but that's not true and um you know nobody should think that that's true or, or feel weird about seeing a white jesus um but like sean and he, he people will take him up on this in at least symbolically like i don't know if they're going to go march into churches and do it but you know there's people that are like yeah um but he's not a serious person so Mm. i i don't think basically i just think that there needs to be a certain amount of sobriety in assessing this like an edgelord you know it's it's been this sort of echo call between grifters on you know you hate to say it but both sides um Mm -hmm. in that people are like next they're going to come for statues of jesus and then sean king's like we should tear down statues of Jesus. And then people, you know, I mean, it, it's like a whole industry and they thrive off each other in mm-hmm. being able to do this. And so, um, I, I just think there's so many instant narratives that pop up. And I, I don't think that by taking a step back and watching how things go and praying and whatever, that you're somehow like, in the wrong like you didn't stand up for injustice or you didn't fight for the church or you didn't like i i really don't believe that silence is violence etc etc regardless Mm -hmm. of where you're coming from and so like i don't like i'm not dismissing the broad concerns about like persecution of the church or those things i just don't really think that we're there right now Mm-hmm. Like I, I think the church is just as hated as it was like two weeks ago. Yeah, it seems like that, I don't think it's been ratcheted up by these actions or statements. Right. It seems, it seems like more. This is just a 
time where you people are getting emotional and taking out certain people that are related to the church but not the church as a whole like yeah. it i can see not I, I i don't i do not agree with it but i can see the logic that leads right. people I mean, to think at the end of the day it's never okay to damage a statue of of a saint well, yeah, but I was going to say I can see the logic of what the other side is doing when they attack St. Sarah. Like, I can see, even if I don't agree with it, like, they with the colonial stuff and, like, the idea that he started these missions and there were other people. Like, I get, I like I said, don't agree with it. I get the, I get the yeah. thought process. Um, and that's different, but it, it would be different if it's, like, it's like if the reasons why it's bad are not the reason are not the justification that these people were using, and so that doesn't make it not bad, but it, it does mean we kind of have to consider how we predict the next move. If that well, makes yeah, sense. Like if, they, if we want to call this a pattern, we have to correctly interpret sort of the intention from the other side. Yeah, if they start coming at every angle and they're like, "Well, we need to take down." john paul ii statues for this reason or this this and this like if it then then like all right there's there's more of a broader thing going on and yeah a broader thing but also maybe it's just a bunch of immature little children who hold some grudge against the church for some reason right right and so so that's you don't want to take the bait on some of those just because mm -hmm. it it starts to look like you sort of have a complex um and not that it's about optics ever, but like, you know, in theory, if, if the church were facing like this huge external threat, um, you wouldn't want to have like called every sort of, you know, hardly functioning take haver on TV. Uh, yeah. Every, all of their things that they say, like the, the coming persecution of the church. But I mean, it's not nothing to take. It's not something to take lightly. Like, well, I don't, yeah, that's, but also, like, it's like I'm not even really trying to take a middle ground here. I'm kind of trying to say, like, I don't think this is like, this is it, guys. Like, our churches are going to get burned to the ground. But I, well, yeah, I but do the, think that that day will come. I just don't, I don't think this is part of it. I don't know. Yeah, but the church is always under attack, more or less, at all times, right? Not so much. Yeah. It's not necessarily above ground. It's underground stuff. So it's all this stuff. So it's like, we always have to you know, remain vigilant to borrow a phrase, but that doesn't mean like it's everything is always ratcheted up to 11. Like they can, they can pull down St. Junipero Serra's statue, but they're not pulling him out of heaven. They're not pulling out the good work that he did. They're not, you know, they're not, the missions were there and the missions brought Catholicism to California and ultimately helped spread it across America. Right. Like it's, so the, we don't want them to tear down these statues because it's a statue. When, when they're, especially when they're canonized. Like, you know, my, my point to the non canonized people getting torn down is it is a separate issue, which is yeah. why I, I mean, in that, that literally is the dividing line is that, you know, one of these statues is depicting somebody that the church has conferred the title of saint mm. upon. And so the, the church has rendered judgment on this person definitively. And so, you know, like I, I won't name names, but there was a recently canonized saint who, prior to being a saint, I didn't. I was a critic of this person's actions, mm-hmm. and you know, I went through and I took down all of my tweets about this person once 
they were Canon nines because you know the, mm-hmm. I, I, at some point you just have to submit and say you know I don't necessarily even know what to think but the church has given her judgment so that that's the thing like there isn't a debate there isn't a debate to be had about Saint Sarah like it was settled when the Holy Father canonized him um, mm-hmm. and but like we said the you can consider the intentions of the people who tore down the statue and I I think at the end of the day it was basically association by guilt of him with with real crimes that did occur in that time period well yeah and yeah it's I don't you're right it's not so much an attack on the church as much as I think it's like poor association and just like in just like child childlike wounds for the church in general yeah that's what um, I ascribe to most is like along the way now I know the church has there's been bad things that happened within the church to people like the you know abuse and all that stuff but a lot sure. of a lot of people are just like have wounds because the church told them they can't do something and they got upset about it right like it so that's what I'm saying is like I often instead of ascribe maliciousness towards the church at large it's just like these little payback things that they want to do yeah i mean that's why you just really shouldn't humor that stuff like okay the mm -hmm. church told you that you like you know some nun told you at catholic school that you can't chew gum at mass or like Mm -hmm. you know girls can't be priests or something like you've got to like get over that um (laughs) but the yeah and then i think another thing to consider that i would just propose is when there's injustice it cries out for god's justice and that will play out in the form of a chastisement on a civilization from god mm-hmm. and um when a ch- you know chastisements can come in many ways and so if we're currently experiencing a chastisement um for societal sins against justice mm-hmm. the the church is going to get hit too. Like it, that's just how it's going to go. Like we're all going to take our licks in this. Um, and that's one of the reasons why it's important to not tolerate injustice because, um, you know, you didn't have to own slaves to like tolerate slavery and lots of people who didn't own slaves, but tolerated it lost everything in the civil war, which can be viewed as a chastisement on the entire nation for, allowing and benefiting from slavery and so i think that's another way to look at things is perhaps from above as opposed to like you know was it this group and look at their website and this and that and and trying to sort all that out is saying you know are we being chastised for societal sins Mm. and if so um yeah the expectation is is that that's not all going to end at the church's doorstep ever. It's never, never has. I mean, that, you know, there were a lot of under, one of the earliest interpretations of the French revolution, I believe was that it was a chastisement, um, of earlier acts against the sacred heart. I don't remember what those were, but, um, something like that. So, I mean, you know, it's one of those, you, you reap what you sow and, you know, it doesn't really matter your like personal level of involvement or guilt or um, culpability in societal sins like an unjust society is inviting God's justice and that's going to come in the form of a chastisement and I don't I think it's too early to say oh that's what we're in but I, I do think 
that's totally on the table mm-hmm. and, a, and a lens to look at these things through. Sure. Well, with that, shall we talk to Father Chase Goodman? Let's do it. Let's bring him on. Wonderful guy. Uh, and here he is. Good man. Zach, back in 2019, what I did is I, I, uh, I did something very special. I went to my phone calendar and I put uh, on May 30th, 2020, go get blessed by Father Chase Goodman. That's a thing I put in my phone calendar over a year in advance. And I had this down. Uh, I booked plane tickets to because I'm a man of my word and if I say something to my phone calendar I want to keep my word to my phone calendar so I bought plane tickets to go to an ordination and then um, the unprecedented times were all in this together happened and now more than ever now more than ever in these unprecedented times and I was not able to go I was not able to fill my obligation to my phone calendar, which really depressed me and really saddened me. But what did happen uh-huh. was our next guest, Father Chase Goodman, got ordained a priest. Forever. Forever. And and we've never had a freshly ordained man on this podcast. But we do now. It's Father Chase Goodman. Thank you for coming on. I'm glad it all went through. I know it was kind of a hectic last few months for you but you did it how does it feel how are we loving it we're loving it thanks for having me on guys uh sorry you couldn't come to the ordination matt i was waiting for you but uh it was kind of a small affair um yeah no it's uh you know i i try to make most things about me but i realize that this is not about me (laughs) uh yeah i am glad that it did happen i they're like you know you saw all this stuff of they weren't letting baptisms happen and they weren't you know weddings were kind of really being nerfed pretty heavily like but so i was kind of worried that they would get a little tricky with your ordination but it went through you had like what you were allowed 50 people or something at there is that what you said right at um at the beginning I i forget already but i think initially they told us like um 50 people each and then based on the numbers we could pump those up um so gotcha. like, yeah so it was mostly just family for there were three of us getting ordained um it was mostly just mm-hmm. our family and real close personal friends that we kind of shared um but uh before before that came out like back during like right before holy week um they asked us like you know um would you guys prefer to have it on the scheduled date and have it, you know, kind of smaller, or do you prefer to mm-hmm. to uh, push it to a later date when we could do this with more um, more pomp and circumstance? And we all said, no, 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 right. no. Let's let's get this done. Let's have this happen because uh, none of us oh, yeah. wanted to be in limbo for very long. Right. I'm sure. I'm I'm way more in the camp of get the sacrament done instead of the pomp and circumstance. So. Oh yeah. And I right. think, and then you can do like a reception later, like a big priest party. Sure, we were, and we right, were which about happened that. apparently last. 
Well, I was saying it happened last week when Zach went to meet Father Chase. So they already had their little ordination party, just the just the couple of them. And I was, you know, failed again on my part. True. I, I got I got the the baby priest blessing from Father, which has attached to it uh, indulgences under Amazing. the ordinary circumstances, and uh, um, also got to. I hear him say mass, which was great because I had not been to an in-person mass since they all kind of shut down. But since we were uh, in a home and properly socially distanced, we uh, we were able to make it happen. Or he was able to make it happen for, for us. Amazing. That's, so we that's, just uh, got to get you, That's man. great stuff. Yeah, you do. Um, like you told me, the the priest, the priest, the first blessing is good for a year, right? So if you know an ordained priest within the first year, you can get the blessing from him. Is that yeah. true? If you run into me before May 30th next year, you know, ask me for it. Yeah. Yeah, that's what we'll do. They, uh, I think uh, Father Harrison, friend of the show, guest of the show, I think he was in a, sim- in a similar situation where he had a, a choice of dates that he could have done. This was, you know, however many years ago and he mm-hmm. he he picked the closest one because he was of the same mindset like i just want to get this i i've been working so hard for this moment for many years that it just needs to let's get it done now yeah being a deacon was cool but being a priest is much cooler <laughs> it, you like shocking, see deacons shocking, and you like walk by and you're like scoreboard yeah <laughs> Yeah. They okay. So let's. Uh, that's what I wanted to talk a little bit about was your your last year because obviously, it's been a weird, wild year, especially the last semester. But what's it like? You you get ordained a deacon, um, and then you have a year to go, right? So you were is that is that how it worked with you? You got ordained a deacon. You're going into your final year of seminary, right? And um, you and know then, how, you know how senior year of high school how you're like you know big dog on campus and. You and all your mm-hmm. friends are kind of running the show, and you think you're so big. Sure. It's right. It's kind of like that, but more so in seminary. Uh, but there is, there is um, a legitimate um, small amount of power and cooperation with the faculty um, when you're a deacon, and that was really cool. You know, seeing um, priests kind of treat you in a different light. Kind, of, you know, seeing you as brother clergy, and um, mm-hmm. trusting you more, and you know. Uh, having a more cooperative relationship and that was cool and it it was really interesting you know going back and seeing all my younger brothers at the seminary and how like they look up to you even more now because like you are you are a deacon and like you can you can't do much but you can do some stuff um and it sure it, it was it was great to have that fraternity. I noticed your kind of uh, your takes that. got spi- your public takes got spicier <laughs> once you were deacon chase as opposed to semin- just simple seminarian chase. Um, I will not say anything without a lawyer present. Yeah, it's probably for the best. Yeah. Will you say anything with an accountant present? Well, I don't know. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, that, and there's some element of. I mean, the end, the end is in sight and like the achievement of being a deacon is, I mean, that, you know, it's, you're almost there. You've fought so hard. It's, it's a nice, it's a nice thing that it, it, I don't want to, I don't want to make it sound like less cool. Like, I I don't want to, this might be dumb, so correct me, but like, it gives you something to like some small achievement to keep you going. 
And I know it's not like a small achievement, but if that makes sense, does that make sense? Well, it, yes, and it, it's right, kind I'll of like all this. it's <laughs> kind of like at the end of a at the end of a prison sentence when you go to you go on mm-hmm. probation, you know, so you can kind of nice. do some stuff. <laughs> um, you're almost yeah. on your way out. Um, Mm-hmm. Of course, you know, seminary and formation is much better than prison, and I would not intentionally compare it to prison. Um, that's mm-hmm. that's a far-removed <laughs> analogy. Yeah. So, okay, so my understanding, obviously correct me, Father, and I'm sure you won't hesitate to, is so the sacrament of, of orders, of ordination, um, it is one sacrament in the sense that when you are ordained to the diaconate, or to the priesthood, or as a bishop, you are receiving the one sacrament, but to like specific degrees. But that because of that, once you become a deacon, it's like you're no longer a layperson. One, and then two, you can't just go get married, even if you were to like quit seminary the next day. Yeah. Is that like once you're a deacon, you can't just like get married? Correct. Like you're you're bought in. Um, you are a cleric. Uh, you are bound by celibacy and to pray the office. Um, and there are guys. So let's let's do some learning here because I actually uh-oh. don't know this. When you're bound to pray the office, so uh-huh. when we say the office, that could be like some people will know that as the liturgy of the hours or the right. divine office or the breviary. Um, are you bound to like all seven hours? The five hours. I mean, you could say okay. seven if you want, and I, I'm not right. sure. But like, I'm not, not sure, but you can probably you can probably use the the old office um, with you know all the seven mandatory hours. But I've just been on the liturgy. Yeah, hours. well, some more pontificum. The problem mm-hmm. is, is, even most priests who like to say the Latin mass don't know their Latin well enough to. So like a lot of them <laughs> privately that are not like with one of the orders, like the tradi diocesan priests. Um, a lot of them aren't saying the old office. Uh, I have I have proof of this, but uh, not that that's a big deal, because um, they would have to get special permission to do it in English to fulfill their obligation, whereas they wouldn't oh, sure. need any special permission to yeah. do it in Latin. And it's just like not something that you typically call up a bishop and you're like, "Hey, um, I want to thumb my nose at the liturgy of the hours and say the old office, but I don't even want to do the work to learn it in Latin." Um, so I've, I've heard that just doesn't really work. But so when we say the five hours, I guess we're talking about the core hours being morning prayer and evening prayer or like lauds and vespers. Right. And then the and then office of readings, which would yeah. which would be um, the corollary, like the old term for that would be what, like matins? Yeah, it's matins, basically. Okay. And then... And then the the three the three minor hours kind of got condensed into quote unquote day prayer. Okay, so like terse sext none is day prayer. Yeah, Um, and even in the liturgy hours, old liturgy hours, you could split it out, right? Yeah, yeah. Even in the even in the new liturgy hours, there are there's a complimentary psalmody. So if you want to say. terse sex than known you could do that um but all in all uh i'm grateful for the liturgy hours kind of being um a condensed version of uh of the breviary because like one year for lent i started trying to do the 
the uh, the Psalter of the Blessed Virgin, you know, the the little office, and it's beautiful, yeah. and it's not as big as the old Roman breviary, but it's a lot. Right, hence being called little. Yeah, but even compared to the liturgy, it of the is, hours, and actually it's a lot. that's right. And like for non-religious priests, my understanding is that it's not. Um, it's not very contra like that reform that aspect of it isn't controversial it wasn't like oh you know new priests are are like weak for these new like of all the kind of beefs with liturgical reform that these sort of not so much streamlining since it's like actually more complicated now but the um the shortening for priests who don't live in like um monasteries was pretty helpful as far as them being able to fulfill the other duties of their state in life yeah i mean you had stories um, of you had stories of like good faithful priests like um pulling over uh their cars on the side of the highway and like doing their whole office at the end of the day in front of their headlights because like they had no time to pray and it's like okay we gotta get through seven hours at the end of the day Wow. Yeah, which I mean, I I find that charming, but I get how that's maybe not sustainable. It is, but, but I think there's it's something not, nice and uh, preferable. Yeah, like I I think there's something nice about having an obligation, and even when all else fails, just getting it done. Like yeah. to me, there's there's value in that, but obviously you wouldn't want that to be the norm. At that point, you would think there there'd be a problem. Um, but that's why I tell people with their novenas, I'm like, well, yeah, if it's two minutes left and you just got to blurt it out as quick as you can then blurt it out as quick as you can like sure yeah. it's a higher practice to sit and contemplate every word of the but like you know at some point you, you the perfect is the enemy of the good um and that so, is and then one the last thing, one would be or go ahead <laughs> all right well, um, i was gonna say that just the fifth hour would be compline night prayer right right i guess yeah so and, yeah so basically morning evening night daytime and then office of readings which can be is like the floater yeah you can do that anytime uh most guys do do it before uh morning prayer kind of keep right like yeah i guess like in because it's usually tied yeah like even traditionally matins and lods were often said together or sometimes i think matins mm -hmm. was like anticipated yeah and said the night before but um yeah basically and when you said psalmody just again because we try to like not assume everybody's as like nerded out about this stuff as us is that the liturgy of the hours, the prayers that priests say every day, priests and religious, um, the core of them is the Psalms. And in some length of time, currently four weeks, traditionally one week, uh, all the Psalms, uh, well, almost vir virtually all the Psalms are prayed through and there's sort of a rotation that they're in. Mm -hmm. And so the psalmody or the Psalter is like the, that scheme and then attached to all of it are other prayers passages from the gospels canticles um what's the word for the little line that you say at the beginning and the end i'm just going blank antiphon. um the antiphon i was like what is it called <laughs> um yeah, though you, you kind of have this whole thing and we, we actually got to pray some of the hours with father um this was not, i hadn't i actually hadn't prayed like any form of the office in a while so uh, it was it was nice and i was trying to remember how it worked yeah well that is one thing that like so in the seminary uh the formation you get from the priests uh and from the professors is very important but like i, I really want to 
I really want to emphasize that um, the formation of like the institutional memory of this brotherhood is very important too and you see this in all, all over in seminaries um, one common thing that you learn from uh, from just that fraternity is uh, guys will say you know just a handed down sort of thing that the bravery is what will keep you in seminary and what will keep you as a priest um, I've heard hmm. I've heard many seminarians That's I've heard amazing. many priests say uh, when a guy gets in trouble the first thing to go is the bravery um, like any time a guy I mean, has that, trouble that kind of makes sense yeah I will say that so for most devotions including the mat like everything Catholic like the first time you do something it could be interesting in the terms of oh this is weird and new mm -hmm. and then there's this sort of gap where it's like I don't really get this and then eventually it like takes hold and becomes like a core component of your spiritual life like that's kind of how I felt with the rosary like I right. vividly remember the first time I prayed it and thought it was fantastic but then there were tons of times I prayed it that I was like oh, how many more decades and um, and then eventually it like takes hold and becomes and I will say that just picking back up the couple hours we prayed it is just a very rich experience that draws that turns your mind back to god on like what feels like very little effort like i would say it it, it definitely has earned its place to sort of the life breath of the church because yeah i mean i i hadn't prayed an hour in i don't know how long and just kind of sitting there i was like wow this is a like oddly i mean not that it's ever about feelings but i was like i just am oddly very in tune with the lord right now this is yeah. you know so if you're looking for some easy ways to 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 ring up god then you know just pull out a brief or download one when it is the liturgy it is the prayer the official prayer of the church just like the mass right and i think that's what's cool is knowing that because of that there's orders all over the world praying their hours and because of time differences like it's probably never not happening Right, just like um, the mass. Yeah, like I've always wondered. It's like, would the sun come up if there weren't like monks and nuns doing their prayers right at sunup? <laughs> and it's like, well, there's really no way to know, is there? Like, we'll never really be able to test that theory. Um, Thank God. But, right. What was one of the like when you when you got ordained? What was your first thought about, oh, great, now I can do this? Like, what were you most excited to do um, as a priest? I mean, excited Was and it the thing where you turn bread into God? Because I would be really <laughs> excited. <laughs> to, anyway, sorry, I'll let you answer. Yeah. Well, I mean, before my first Mass, I wanted, to, uh, I wanted to hear confessions. And, like, that was... The first one was terrifying, like, you know this is my first time as a confessor god knows uh how many times this penitent has been to confession so it's it's nothing mm -hmm. new for them but for me it's like uh and i'm trying to remember everything thankfully it's a very simple sacrament and uh um grace is operative um mm -hmm. is very very grateful for that and uh just a beautiful experience um did you going into it did you have have like a Thing, did you have in your mind like all right this is the penance i'm gonna give did you like already have that going or did you just kind of what's the did you make it up on the spot did you 
Well, so we had confession practicum this last um, mm-hmm. this last semester of seminary, and our professor right. kind of he he was teasing, but he kind of got mad at us for having two simple penances. You know, like hmm. uh, we'd give like you know an Our Father and a Hail Mary or something. And he was telling us, "Well, try to be creative." But it's like, well, you know, it's COVID, so no one can get the missalettes because the missalettes are all put up. So. It's not like I can recommend one of the prayers from the back of that. Um, I have mm-hmm. prayers that I really like, but so again, I don't know if they just know because them. we're like we're the uh, basic podcast, we try to be mm-hmm. so missalette. <laughs> um, <laughs> so the, the missal is in the, the book that has right, and then a lot of our listeners won't even know what that is. I'm, I'm sure they can deduce it, but basically, yeah. obviously, the missal being the book that has all the stuff for the mass. Wait, the missalettes wait, wait. Are like, what? Do you not think they would not know what that is? Do you there not? There are a lot of knots. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Do you? Let me rephrase that. Do you think that people will not know what that is? I, I get messages from people that say one of their favorite things is that we don't assume people know anything. Well, it's because we so, don't assume we know anything. So right. But then, like, I assume most like trads. We don't have those, so I don't even know. But I assume any <laughs> trad would know what they are or could figure it out. But like a missile is obviously the book that has all of the mass readings and the calendar and all that kind of stuff in it for mass. So it's sort of the like the breviary is the book for the divine office and the missile is the book for the mass. Um, and then missalettes are like small um, ones that are usually printed for a specific time period. So instead of having to like check all your ribbons and stuff, they've sort mm-hmm. of laid it all out for you. And yeah, like, like my have bougie one parish, per... hat, parish has them, but like other parishes I go to, they don't have them. They have one for ordinary time, your favorite time of year. Yeah, that season that totally exists. Um, <laughs> the, uh, so the, the, the penances. Sorry. So the, basically the little the booklet in mass that will have all the readings if they want to follow along. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's hymns we'll in the back, at the and back and there's and prayers things. at the very back. Um, but, you know, there's there's really good prayer. There's, there's a nice little index of prayers at the end of those, um, usually stuff like uh, during Lent, they'll have the prayer before a crucifix in there, or um, the the Anima Christi. I always love that. Um, I love the Memorare. I had that assigned to me as a penance. Yeah, and those are great if the penitent knows them. But uh, one good thing I've picked up from seminary was they say they tell us as you're preparing to be a confessor, you know, you assign the penance, and you confirm with the penitent like can you do that for me? Like, can you do that penance? Does it make sense? And you, gotcha. yes, father. So, okay. Um, act of contrition. Um, so yeah. Cause you can request a different penance. Like I would say, don't just do that willy nilly, but like you can like within reason in that moment, be like, so father, like I can't do that because X, Y, Z, if it's something that you can't do. Well, that um, that hasn't come up would, for me yet, but I have heard cases of a penitent going to someone and going to a priest and saying, uh, Father, for last time I went to confession, I got this really weird penance. I didn't understand it or I wasn't able to do it. Um, and the priest can the new priest can say, OK, um, I want you to do this instead. You know, a commuted sentence, basically. He's yeah, like, I had that where I just straight up forgot. Like I was yeah. looking back and I was like, I don't know if I did my penance. Like yeah. I, I was like, my last confession was a, like so many weeks ago. And thinking back, I remember the 
penance, but I literally have no memory of doing it. And I was like, so, you know, just in case, because, um, you know, I love God and just want to make sure that he knows that, uh, can we, can, like, let's sort this out. And he's like, <laughs> cool. So your substitute penance, should you have not fulfilled yours, is a rosary or whatever. Yeah. And that's why I always, so far at least, I've told them, like, okay, so I want you to go in front of the tabernacle and pray these prayers. So it's like, okay, you do this right after you leave the box. You know, don't mm-hmm. if I'm, I'm not saying this yeah. is what happened to you. Zach, you can have but, them join our Patreon. Is that allowed? <laughs> uh, so monetary stuff, not so much. Um, the, Zach, yeah. know your history. Bro. If they well, wait, so when somebody has stolen something and returning the money yeah. to where it was stolen would reveal their identity, then I, I've heard that there's a practice of they, they've got a um one way thing they could potentially do to make restitution is to give up that much money elsewhere. So you could have them sign it, up on Patreon for us. It is preferable that um, they make restitution to the person that they have stolen from, and they they don't have uh-huh. to they don't have to incriminate themselves by doing that. You ask them like you know is is there a way that um, that you could make amends without uh, without incriminating yourself? You know or uh, I remember seeing like with the riots lately, this was really cool. Uh, there was some priest that said, um, if you've stolen anything and you want to return it, drop it off at the parish and I will return it for you. You know, just oh, that's cool. Yeah, that was really that's cool. That's cool. Um, I've also heard, um, and I mean, as an accountant, this like keeps me up at night, but we'll set that aside is that sometimes people will buy a gift card. And then just never spend like, and then they'll shred it or something, yeah. to, you know, get that value back inside the business or you know whoever they stole it from. Um, now there's new like obviously there's a whole conversation you can have about like capitalism and that kind of stuff, and we won't go there. But in, if justice <laughs> obligates that you return value to a business that has gift cards, I've heard that that's a way to do it. I never thought about that, sure. but that does make sense. Yeah. And you're not incriminating yourself. Yeah, that checks out. Um, but if you heard for some it's reason confirmation you, from a priest. Yeah, if uh, if for some reason, well, I'm not a I'm not a moral theologian, so uh, get a second opinion. But um, if for some reason you can't make restitution for whatever reason, like directly, like yeah, uh, charity is a is a good alternative. But the confessor or the penitent shouldn't you know materially uh benefit from uh from the charity so it can't be like yeah i want you to i want you to donate to my parish uh investment fund you know Mm, that would be that's that's bad see the case for them supporting us gets stronger and stronger the more i I think i would benefit (laughs) from that because it would um it would bring the numbers up for this uh episode so you know that's, that's out of it that's true and we're your friends, so when we win, when we win, our friends win. Yeah. That's right. Um, well, that's one grift we gotta. We're not. That's not gonna work out, Matt. Thankfully, we have like ninety nine other grifts. We'll exhaust all of them. What yeah, we're gonna keep grifting? What was the? This might be a big question because you were in seminary for a while. What was the best thing you learned in seminary? Like a thing that you didn't know going in or something that you liked learning more about do you have one of those um that's a really broad question i mean the whole experience uh, academically was amazing and Mm -hmm. just 
academics was great um being with all these you know like-minded holy men or at least men striving for holiness all striving for the same goal that was awesome um in terms of best thing i learned uh i don't know i keep coming back to um i really liked uh, richard of saint victor uh when we were looking at trinitarian theology um mm-hmm. and that can get really heady really quick um but he really talked about you know looking at what saint john said uh god is love and how the love of god is perfect uh god is the lover the beloved and the act of love all together mm-hmm. and the love of god is so perfect that um that the lover the love the beloved and the act of love are all personal those are all persons they are one substance mm-hmm. and that was that's as beautiful of a description of the or explanation of the trinity as there is um i found yeah that's great um, have you seen the picture that like i i drew it out once and my family was like oh wow you you invented the flux capacitor um <laughs> but it's like the in the in the center you have the circle that says god yeah. And then outside of it are three circles, like Father, Son, Holy Ghost. And then there's like lines between the yeah. circle and the Father is the three not the Son, it's not is, the Spirit, is, is, it's not is. the Father. Yeah. And then in between the things is like, it's not, it's not, it's not. Um, that image uh, actually was clear, like helped me uh, understand a few things, even though it, it is very clearly not a like, like that image can then lead to a lot more contemplation. It, it doesn't really settle yeah. like the mystery but it it does clear up that and then the athanasius creed yeah um which is pretty cool because it includes um an anathema which uh i love those so yeah we love those things and then, that's cool yeah that's I just a great... like to know where i stand you know and probably the most important uh probably the most important spiritual insight i got was um like on pastoral year i realized uh kind of getting into john the baptist a bit more and it all kind of boils down to it's not about you uh like that's john the Baptist's whole thing like it's not about me um and you know i must decrease he must increase and mm-hmm. you know you can go a long way on that and uh yeah i had a i had a um uh an elective class on the desert fathers this past semester and kind of along those lines that was great too and just getting into the scriptures and uh i loved moral i loved uh the moral classes it was all pretty good <laughs> nice that is cool um there's this clip i wish we could i don't even know how i don't think we could play it into the record of course but unless matt knows how but so uh i'm a big fan of the netflix series the crown and uh there's this scene where like the queen first becomes the queen because on account of because her dad died and um from smoking which is propaganda but uh (laughs) and so her grandmother sends her a letter basically saying like like you don't exist anymore like there's now just this queen and you're going to be in conflict with this forever but like you have a duty now and is that the crown the crown must always win yeah and it it struck me because it reminded me of of like going through confirmation and like 
that thing. So I would imagine this like on steroids for a priest. Are you able to play it, Matt? I'll I'll try and find it if you want to keep keep going on. Keep that could be cool to hear Father's reaction to it. But it, I always think I always thought of that in terms of my confirmation in a weird way, like just the way that it's sort of phrased. That like, yeah, like you're there, but it's also you kind of have to put yourself aside for this duty that you've taken on. Well, I guess it's St. Paul, huh? Um, like, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. I think that's Romans. Yes. I don't know. I'm a good Catholic. I don't know my I don't know my Bible verses and books. I just know the people. Yeah, I didn't realize that the verses are new, right? Oh, yeah, they're like completely my old made up. Dewey Reams has no verses. Yeah. Yeah, Though, was... I think I've got the Haydock and it may have verses, but um I just looked and that clip is like two minutes long, so I don't know if I want to play it all, but I'll send it to him and we can get we can get some reaction. insight. Yeah. It's it's neat just in, in the way it's phrased. And I get that it's just like a Netflix show that's you know, and it's probably a historical that that letter happened. But I, I remember thinking like that's it just reminded me of confirmation. Um so yeah. That is kinda cool. And we have to like call you Father Chase and stuff yeah yeah we have um, to now we get to a lot of back. times when there's priests who prior to their ordination were my peers they will be like oh you don't have to call me that um but it's like it's really kind of more about jesus than them so i always feel awkward because i don't want to disrespect them but at the same time it's like well it's not really like you that i'm like no offense but like i think you're great but you know. <laughs> um so have you gotten used to that yeah um I mean, the hard thing was kind of adjusting to deacon. And then, like, once that happened, like, you know, father wasn't hard to transition to. Um, and there, it, it kind of went away, but there was uh, kind of a, a joking thing in the seminary where, you know, we'd all call each other father or monsignor or your excellency or whatever. Um, just as obviously as a goof. But, uh, you know, that yeah. did kind of get you used to it. Oh, okay, yeah. So, like, your new preferred pronouns. Yeah. <laughs> if, if you must. Um, he father must. Fathers. Um, yeah. No, it's, um, I think it's cool. And it, because, I mean, that, we were talking about this back in Austin, is that being a priest isn't a job. And we, we tend to see most things in terms of jobs, but it's a state in life. Like, you, um, like maybe one day you'll be so old that you're not able to to like say public masses or or be of any use to a parish practically speaking but like you can't retire from the priesthood any more than you'd retire from being married like you can you know be on your deathbed and you're still as married as you were before and you know as a priest too yeah like that will and more enduring because obviously you'll be a priest in the afterlife whereas somebody's not nobody's married in in the next life um so is that like do you feel trapped at all? <laughs> <laughs> like you'll never be Mr. Goodman, like ever. Well, if I I could be if something terrible happened, but you know, God preserved me from that. Um, but, right, but I mean, even that, like my understanding is the characters, like in the next life. You'd no, still the character's be, still there. That's but, that's kind of that's kind of more of a you know human, uh, you know dishonor right it's like all intents and purposes yeah you you don't have the honor anymore but yeah like if you uh like if, if things were to not pan out for someone 
and they were to be laicized and then um, unfortunately find themselves uh, in hell, the demons would still address them as father, which is like really frightening to me. Um, yeah. But I've heard that. I've heard that. Well, and of course, there, confirm, is, there I, is still hope for, you know, laicized men who are still living. There's hope for everyone while they still live. Yeah, I mean, they're never more than one. They're never more than one confession away from being a, like a, a saint in the, yeah, in like the broad sense. But yeah, um, I wouldn't say I feel trapped in it. It, it is. I think you'd talk to if you talk to married people. You know, if they have a good relationship, they're not going to say they feel trapped. They're going to say they feel more free that they're married. You know, I feel the old ball and chain. Yeah, I feel more free as a priest. Like. It's like finally after, you know, not just the past seven years, but like this is the purpose of my life. Like this is this is why I'm here. This is what God uh, wants me for. Um, And, you know, that is very freeing. That's so cool because it's like you you know, sort of for a fact, your purpose and you are now able to fulfill it in that sense. Yeah. Like it's it's no longer dress rehearsal for like conferring the sacraments and stuff. Yeah. Well now the hard work when, starts. When right. how old were you when you knew that you were gonna enter seminary? Uh so it was I was twenty one, twenty two. I was a I was a bad Catholic in college. Um I was a good Catholic mm-hmm. in high school, um kinda fell away during college, but um Senior year. Where'd you go to college? Uh, Texas A&M University. Um, gotcha. I, I studied business and I was uh, working for the football team. Oh, wow, team. really? So that's, isn't that where Bishop Conderlo was priest? Were you, did you overlap with him? Yeah, I did. Um, Bishop Sis was from there too, okay, but he cool. was before my time. Um, well, that's a bishop factory down there. So you were working with the the football team, you said? Yeah, and that, w- that was a really cool gig, but um, it wasn't great spiritually for me because i was working too hard mm-hmm. and uh all that you know working saturdays obviously and sometimes sundays and i wouldn't make time for mass uh it was mm-hmm. just kind of in a bad place but i left there um uh fall of my senior year and uh started going back to mass more regularly i was uh still leaving early and showing up late but um mm-hmm. You know, senior year, thinking about um, what do I want to be when I grow up, you know, job fairs or grad school fairs, like, I was still interested in the business stuff, but it still felt really empty. And I was just, I was really frustrated and miserable with all that. But like, going to mass and like, thinking about the life of a priest, like, that, that gave me excitement. And, you know, a number of things happened uh, over time and I thought about it and um, it was like January, February of my uh, senior year when I started to really think about it and started pursuing it. Did you, was that, did you work with the football team when Kevin Sumlin was the head coach? Yeah, that was my last year there, I think. Did you ever get to ride on the swag copter? <laughs> I did not. Isn't that what he called the helicopter? Yeah. yeah. The, sw- no, the swag I did copter? I didn't go on recruiting trips. I was, I was an equipment manager. Uh, so bummer. I was, yeah, I was stuck in the laundry room, basically. 
you know, we all have goals, and one day maybe we'll all get to ride on the swag copter. But uh, until then, I think you came out ahead. So that's pretty cool. <laughs> that's cool that you were like, I, I'm not not cool that you were a bad Catholic by any means. Although you know we all are. But the point is, like, it's cool that you kind of had this period and you were able to overcome it for lack of a better word right like you kind of you instead of continuing on that path of slipping you actually like got it together well i realized god god plays the long game you know uh Mm -hmm. it's it's hard to see on the ground you know uh like we were talking earlier about uh, a, a friend that was um having a hard time but you know where we are right now is not necessarily where we're going to end up and mm-hmm. you know god is in control and god is going to move us along the path uh, for our benefit uh, by hook or by crook um mm-hmm. you know grace is operative and you know god plays the long game so might we might slip here or there on a battle but god wins the war that is true. That's so true. That's cool. It uh um so is there when you discerned was there only really one option for you? Were you gonna go the route you did or did you look at other orders or did you I mean the the application, like the paperwork for the Diocese of Victoria, like it said, mm-hmm. you know, why are you um why are you applying for this diocese? And I was like, I mean, this is home. I don't know anywhere else. Like, you know, where else would I go? Like, this is the church I know. Um, and for clarification for your listeners, um, this is not the Diocese of Victoria uh, of Father Harrison. Um, this is the Diocese right. of Victoria in Texas, uh, the true Diocese mm. of Victoria. Ooh, um, I like it. Yeah. Uh, we, the American. We joke about that. But, um, but yeah. That's while you're in seminary, you're you like, meet well, some- legally, I'm not allowed to leave this radius because of court cases. But <laughs> <laughs> no, is it because isn't it like some t- like not that it's necessarily a, an indication of anything bad at all. But like, is it is it usually sort of looked at twice if somebody like applies to seminary, but they're they're not even like from that diocese or I mean, lived there? Not necessarily like um, some of my friends in the Diocese of Victoria, they're not like priests they're not from here um like they were they were either coming from uh from a religious order that they're discerning out of or uh they're coming out of they were just like at a university and they had friends from victoria or they uh met our vocation director and um that got them to victoria so i mean it just depends on the guy um like there if something's if something's fishy, like it'll come up and that's a good reason why seminary lasts, you know, between six and nine years or more. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love that. I I just think it, I don't know. I mean, I I think as much as I'm sure it's such a long process, um, I I think there's something neat to know that every priest kind of went through that and, Mm -hmm. Yeah, like it's to some degree got to be like a a bit well definitely a filtering mechanism. Oh yeah. Um, 
it's funny because like my first job out of college, I worked for a big accounting firm and they all have really standardized promotion tracks where like the first two years you're staff and then you become a senior and then a manager and then a senior manager and eventually you make partner. Mm-hmm. Um, but every year about 20% of people leave, which is one of the reasons that it's so standardized. The It's kind of an up or out thing. Yeah. And so I joke that I, I, discer- I discerned out at senior from, uh, from Erickson Young. So... Um, <laughs> That was, that was as far as I, I went before I, I discerned out. So, uh, yeah, kind of the, the process. Um, so you're in a, you're in like a holding pattern now. You are just kind of, uh, hanging out with Zach, saying mass in the house, being and What's a day in the life of a new priest? Well, I mean, this is vague. This is quote unquote vacation time right now. Um, I mm-hmm. start in my parish on July 1st, so uh, this coming weekend I'm going to take a load of stuff to the parish. Um, the The current um, associate at my parish, uh, he's moving out when I'm moving in, so he has to leave before I can come in, but uh, there's a guest room at the parish. Um, Friday I'm planning on taking a load of stuff and you know, hanging out with them a little bit, the pastor and the old associate. Um, and then Saturday I'm going to baptize my niece. Um, and then Sunday I'm headed up to college station, uh, to go to one of my buddies first mass. Uh, that'll be a good time. And then, you know, next week uh, is really when I need to stop procrastinating and really pack everything up. What it, I know that, uh, during the first year, pre, uh, new priests will travel to different parishes. Are you going to be doing any of that? I know we've had, at the FSSP parish here, we've had priests come through in their first year and stay for a, like a weekend and things like that. I don't know. Is that is yeah. that anything you'll be doing? I don't know. Um, the COVID stuff has made that really weird. Um, mm-hmm. Like one of my pastors, he told me it's kind of a tradition to go to go to the parishes that were important to you and, uh, you know, say masses of Thanksgiving there. Um, that's obviously been kind of hard. Um, but yeah, you know, my first mass was at my home parish. Um, I said, I've said a couple daily masses for, um, one of the country parishes near my house. Um, and, uh, last week I got to fill in for a confirmation mass. I got to, as a baby priest, I got to confirm high schoolers, um, which was wow. awesome. Um, and that was a yeah. parish that was really important uh, in my formation. Uh, you know, it was really weird circumstance, but um, that was the that was one I really wanted to hit. So, uh, not ideal circumstances, not a Sunday mass, um, but it was really cool. I got to do that. Man, there's so Zach. There's so many cool things you can do in your when you're a priest maybe we should just give this up and become priests i mean there's y'all are still unmarried we we picked the wrong grift okay thanks grandma for bringing that (laughs) 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 so good one of your one of the things you've been keeping busy with this past year for at least a year is you seem to barbecue a lot that's that's one thing. I mean, this whole priest thing is pretty impressive, obviously. But another thing is—do you mean like grill when you say barbecue? No, 
Do I? What's the I, word? What's the thing? I don't know. It just seems right. like he has all sorts of meats, and he's grilling, and he's, like, doing all sorts of fancy. He's maybe, like, smoking some meats. I mean, like, a general barbecuing. Yeah. Like an all-encompassing barbecue. Well, um... My point is, it's it looks great every time you post pictures of it. And uh, give me a little... Give us a little insight. I know uh, we're not a barbecue podcast, but that doesn't mean we can't talk about it. What uh, What's going on with that? Well, I love cooking. And um, up in Columbus, where I was going to school, there wasn't really much barbecue to speak of. You know, once you leave Texas, there's not really any barbecue. That anywhere. Ohio cook, uh, culinary tradition. Well, Columbus did have some good food, like good variety of stuff. Uh a very cosmopolitan town but not really uh texas barbecue um and at the seminary there's you know you've got you've got different guys with different talents and uh there were some guys ahead of me that you know would really cook for the big events and stuff um Mm -hmm. there was there were a couple guys from uh louisiana alexandria louisiana they'd cook gumbo for the big uh football game in the fall wow you know, yeah, after after that guy got ordained, um, you know, there was a vacuum and I wanted to fill it. Uh, so I bought this uh, oil drum smoker and I figured, OK, I'm going to do brisket for the big football game. Um, and I did a couple test runs before that. And, uh, you know, the, the actual football game was really hectic for uh, doing all that. But, um, you know, learning different things each time I each time I did it, uh, fighting the cold and the elements in Ohio. Uh, it was, it was a lot of fun. Rugged terrain, really. <laughs> well, just, just really gross weather. Uh, but unfortunately, um, since I had to leave, uh, like the Israelites from Egypt, uh, I didn't have room in my car to bring my smoker with me. So, uh, I left it up there at the seminary and, uh, I left a note on it on how to use it, so uh, hopefully someone will carry on my tradition. Uh, I left my contact info. So. Hopefully it will spark joy for somebody, Father. Yeah. It, it's, so you're not feeling any pressure to do this at your, at your new parish then, right? Well, I Because heard... my, I, I had a priest who, sorry to interrupt what you're going to say, yeah. but I had a priest who, um, he got really good at, rebinding books he had a bind like a binder and he would take old books and he would redo the binding on them but then word got out that he was good at it and he got so many requests that he he just straight up sold his binding equipment see that's the thing i got i got good at something that isn't that remarkable like (laughs) there's plenty of people Mm -hmm. that cook there's especially down here uh there's plenty of people Mm -hmm. that can barbecue um but yeah, um, I haven't taken a look at what's at the parish, but I know my pastor likes to cook. Um, usually any parish that has a Knights of Columbus, um, they have some some excellent equipment. And, you know, they're always down to hang out and uh, have a beverage and uh, smoke some meat with you. Sword fight? Well, uh, I don't have know a, about that. I can't draw fight? blood. No, I'm a cleric. I can't draw blood, you know. Oh no! Yeah. Wait, what? Is that a thing? Well, I forget. I forget. But there's something like there's something like we're not allowed. Like you, sh- 
you know, priests can't be combat, can't be in combat, you know, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. That sort of thing. I still think I'd be curious. Priests will beat you up. I would just well, keep that in mind before you try anything funny with a priest around. Right, yeah, like if you try... They'll drop you. you. If you try and come at something, doesn't mean they can't defend what no, they can, need to defend. I can tackle you, sure. But... Yeah, sure, or I, think if, I guess oranges prevent bruising if you like, beat somebody with a bag of oranges. <laughs> Zach, what did I tell you about my I lawyer? I've heard this. That's right, that's right, sorry, sorry. Yeah, he uh, he'll take all those moves he used watching the football team for those years. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's so exciting. Um, I I don't know. I just think it's cool. And yeah, too. I mean, it followed you like on Twitter, of course. Uh, up through the ranks, it's it's neat to see. Um, yeah, we watched been for you all along. We watched a a man we knew as a humble seminarian unlike much like you or I but in the seminary become a deacon and then become a priest and then say in 40 years time when he's pope we yeah. can go back to this episode and uh we can say we had a pope and then when he's or when he's uh canonized we can say this podcast is a would it be a second class a relic? Third class relic. Third class relic. Do audio recordings count? Yeah. I mean, it wouldn't be that, but we could claim it. Yeah. What did you say, Father Chase? Well, do auto audio recordings count? Like, I mean, there are audio recordings, of course, of John the Twenty Third, Paul the Sixth, JP Two, Mother Teresa, uh, Oscar Romero. Like, I mean, I assume it's similar to photos, where no, but yeah, you know, that makes sense. We're gonna claim it, and if if someone fact checks us, we'll we'll back off it. Yeah, we're good at that. We 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 we're very good at listening. We'll claim something ridiculous, and if you tell us it's ridiculous, we'll listen. But until then, we'll. Well, My uh, question is, how long are y'all planning to live? Like, are you expecting me to get martyred or something? Modern medicine is very good, and will continue to improve. I'm sure. Yeah, I've been really taking good care of my telomerase. I think they're called. What telomeres? Telomerase. They're like these little end caps on your DNA. Uh, <laughs> and as you age, your, they your DNA shortens mm, over time. That, that yeah. determines your and life. And if you take care of your. Tel- right. And so if you take care of your telomerase or telomeres, I literally don't know, you, uh, you can hold off on the aging, which is why I look so young and fresh uh, and <laughs> potentially even live longer. Is so. that why people get shorter when they get older because their DNA shrinks? No, that's just bone loss of bone density oh. uh, or bad posture. But no, the yeah, you can um, you can reverse that that DNA shrinkage. Is this so. something you learned on Infowars? Like, what is this? <laughs> I'm sure Infowars has a telomere. Again, I don't know if it's telomere or telomerate, but yeah. it has a for high T. The other kind of being high T. Oh, nice. Uh, Work on all your T's. Get them all high. Yeah. Call you Mister T. Uh, I, I. Yeah. Uh, Father Chase, yeah. before we go, last question. Do you have any hot takes about statues that you want to just rifle <laughs> off your chest, that you want to get out of the way, that you want do you, are you, do you have anything you want to say about that? Oh, are you trying to get me in trouble, Matt? Um, kind of, but I mean, you know. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't think that there you know, is a... I don't think there's a reasonable argument that will have any bearing on people that are very hurt, very upset. Um, 
I, you know, churches that are vandalized, statues of saints that are vandalized, all that sort of stuff. That's terrible. I'm I'm not going to deny yep. that. Um, but right. the church has taken one or two on the chin over the centuries, and somehow we've survived that. Um, I think this is just another case of that. That it's it. I I don't even think it's that much of persecution, but. I think it's a storm mm-hmm. to be weathered. I think that's the it best is, I can say. It is very important to remind the haters and losers that the church will never end. Yeah, scoreboard. And the church, yeah, the church will always yeah. be there. I think so too, and I, I, I agree that like, the church can fight itself in the midst of a storm. Um, and there's, you know, some statues will get broken. Like, I, I just think there's not, you have to, look at it soberly yeah so just yeah to kind of and, and we're obviously we'll we'll build new ones so um yeah, yeah i like actually a very was, sober calm approach yeah i was saying that mainly that question is a joke but that's a that's a good answer <laughs> see you, you ask a priest a joking question and, and a good priest like father chase goodman gives you something profound it is true to sit with. because once we all know that once you're ordained you lose your sense of humor and you're not allowed to joke or be a human person anymore you have to just be a sacrament machine and that has been a real blessing <laughs> <laughs> very nice very good oh that's great do you want to encourage people to follow you on twitter or do you just want them to like stumble upon you what do you want to eh, if they want sure um, at fr chase goodman uh the the o's of goodman are zeros yep that's him he was all right follow him he was for him he was locked for a little bit but he uh unlocked and you can bask in his glory now sure yeah chase him down for that blessing chase no him down for that blessing and I actually didn't even mean it that way, but then once I said it, I was like, hey. Father, just, chase him down for that blessing. I'm just glad y'all haven't made a Goodman pun. Um, I do appreciate that. You've won my no. respect for yes. not doing that. Good. I'll quickly yes. scratch well, those I, off the sheet of paper. I do I love to have the respect of a good man. So the respect mm. I, I hear the respect of a good man is more powerful. So. <laughs> You're very good. <laughs> there it is. Father Chase, thank you for coming on. You're a good man, and we're glad you're a priest, and we're glad you're online to keep us in check. Thanks for having me. See ya. Zach, anything else before we go? Is that it? You already said see ya, so no? Yep, that was my see ya. That was my goodbye. All right, gang. Well, thanks for listening, and we will talk to you all next week. 